0: We had dominating victories, furious comebacks, but we also saw some absolute heartbreak. The second round showed us a little bit of everything, and I feel like that's a tune-up for the quarterfinals. Yeah, we're
1: down to the uh, Elite Eight in eleven Man and the Final Four in Eight-Man, so we're
0: we're really getting down to the nitty-gritty here, Greg. All right, well, let's get into it. The nitty and the gritty. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight, tonight, you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined as always by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, it was kind of a wild weekend, weather-wise, and some of the game action that we saw. We now have 11 teams remaining. We'll get into all that, but how was your weekend? How was your uh, viewing experience over both Friday and Saturday?
1: Yeah, um, you, you put it pretty pretty well, probably best as you could there in the intro. Um, we, we saw a lot of good games. We saw a lot of great performances from teams. Um, that we expected, maybe some that we didn't, I, I suppose. Um, yeah, teams coming from behind, teams that led from the very first play of scrimmage. Um, and, and as you mentioned, some, some absolute heartbreak in Moline that we'll talk about, Quincy. Um, so we, we bid farewell to some really good teams this year that we really enjoyed covering. Um, and that's, you know, the, the power of the playoffs. And, and you're just going to have a great game every single week. You're going to see a great matchup every single week. And uh, unfortunately, someone has to bow out. So, um, but viewing wise, it was great. Uh, again, we we appreciate all of the uh, the local schools who are either signed up with NFHS NFHS, or uh, like Princeton who does their own thing. So, uh, makes it really fun to stay tuned here uh, in playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, like you said, the power of the playoffs is the good, the great is we're seeing our teams march on. And the the downside, the bad side is you see some really good, really great, talented football teams yeah. and players that fall short. And it's the end of a great career or the end of a great season in a lot of cases. And I guess that's the highs and the lows of it. And that's what we love about this time of year. We'll get into all of it in a minute here, but we want to take a minute to thank everyone who downloads, who subscribes, who listens every week. Mitch, we had another huge week this week, numbers wise for listeners we had great following on Twitter. If you like view from the West podcast on Twitter, you can thank Mitch Stormer. He's killing it on Fridays and Saturdays. I usually Mitch every week. Now I usually will log in and start looking at a few things and I just bow out. I let you do your thing. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to retweet or tweet something you've already tweeted. Yeah. So yeah, that's happened. That's happened a
1: couple of times and I'll, I'll see that you had done it previously or, or what, you know, I'll think of something and then it's like, no, we already did that. So, um, yeah, again, incredibly thankful for our followers. Um, we should have kept track of how many we are at the beginning of the year. Um, but, but hard to believe we're, you know, getting closer to 2000. I mean, we're still 1700, but we get uh, a handful every week. So, um, again, we, we thank everybody for, for following along. Uh,
0: we're having a lot of fun
1: and, uh, we hope you are too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We thank everybody for supporting us along the way. If you want to support what we're, what we're doing, you can also do that by using PayPal. Mitch, it's as easy as paypal.me slash viewfromwestpod. It's the pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter account. We encourage anyone who wants to support you know, our coverage of local high school athletics to head out to PayPal, and you can, and you can do that. So we'll, we'll thank you in advance for that. But Mitch, let's get right into it. We're going to talk a little bit. About the second round, and then we're obviously jumping into all of our matchups in the quarterfinals. Mitch, we got more teams this year in the quarterfinals than we did a year ago. so that's exciting, you know, from the start.
1: yeah, um I, I sent that to you here either last night or whatever it was, but just in an eleven man i didn't I didn't remember how many we had an eight man last year, but we only had four teams in the quarterfinals last year in eleven man, and now we have eight so Um, you know we joke about job security here on this podcast but we certainly got it this year Um, seeing a lot of teams advance Um, so again makes makes these episodes longer right because we're just talking about the same teams Um, but also just exciting to see um, kind of what our thoughts are about the teams that we cover and the conferences that we cover and have that kind of go or come into fruition as they keep advancing throughout the state playoffs so uh, kudos to those teams who who made it and who are still alive.
0: Yep, exciting times, like you said, for us covering it here. The really exciting part is we have at least one team from every conference that we cover. The Western yep. Big Six has a team left. The Three Rivers Athletic Conference has both of their champions from each side of the conference divisions. We have a team from the Lincoln Trail Conference, and Mitch. The Northwest Upstate Illini uh, did pretty well for themselves this week in Class 1A, huh? Yeah,
1: um, as, as much as we all expected, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Not even a joke. So, yeah, we're we're going to be covering a, a championship game in 1A, right? There's going to be a team from the NUIC that will be in Champaign this year. So um, that is very, very exciting. And, again, a testament to uh, the long-standing traditions of the NUIC as, once again, we'll have representatives at state, but in in this round, specifically having all four teams in the quarterfinals, making up
0: the 1A North, unbelievable, super cool. Well, and good representation from the NUIC eight-man division with Polo, the two-time defending state champions, still alive, Mm -hmm. and Amboy getting an impressive win. So all that to talk about, obviously, coming up. That'll be later on in the show. We start in Class 7A. Mitch, this is the heartbreak we we were referring to. Yorkville gets the win 34-31 over Moline in four overtimes. Just mm-hmm. a gut-wrenching loss for Moline. Mitch, you were kind of you were kind of riding the highs and the lows of this one watching it Friday night. Yeah. You know, tell me about it. What what a game.
1: Oh, it's it's hard to even talk about it, really. Um, you know, don't even want to get into specifics on how it went it was just that it was that hard to watch it really was Um, you know we came into this game knowing that Yorkville had a really really good defense and we knew that about Moline too and you really saw that in the second half where both teams were just exchanging punts back and forth I wish I had the number of how many punts each team had I don't I don't want to say that it was you know, bad offense or, or some sort of anemic offense because both teams were driving. Yeah. Um, it just would eventually be the opposite defense would, would take over credit really to Moline in the second quarter specifically, because Yorkville had the ball, I think the entire quarter, except for two plays. And so, it, you know, and again, it was more so in the second half where, where the game, it it, it, it seemed like not much was going on, but as, as a football fan and, and watching it, you knew that you were watching a really good, or two really good teams. Um, yeah, Go goes to overtime. Uh, I think Yorkville had a shot there at the end. They were kind of driving, but nothing came out of that. So they go to overtime and just back and forth. You know, in, in IHSA, you start from the 10-yard line, um, and it's it's first and goal, essentially. Um, and so you saw quick scores the first couple of overtimes, where it, if you it was on the first play or the second play, you know, Yorkville and Moline were both getting into the end zone. So you fast forward to the fourth overtime. Again, that Moline defense comes up sting. It comes up strong forces Yorkville into a field goal. They go up. Uh, and then Moline's turn in the fourth quarter, they get down inside the five, they get to it, It's the, it's the two or it's the one. I, I, I can't remember where, where exactly the ball was placed, but um, I think,
0: I think they where, were on the, I
1: think they were on the one on the one. Okay. Yep. Um, and again, this is where that Yorkfield defense just shined. I mean, they—you know—there was there was debate, right? There there was there was Twitter back and forth about what you do in that sort of situation, right? And then we see this all the time in football, right? Um, you, you either can try and take the point, two point conversions. Let's say you know you yep. can just make the kick, or you go for two, or in a in a fourth and short, hey, do you go for it? Hey, do you kick the field goal? Do you take the points? Um, I, I have no quarrels about Moline going for it here. Um, they, have, they have two chances at it. They, they get stopped both times. And it it's just, it was a heartbreaking thing to watch. Um, I kept saying to myself, like, come on, Moline, just, just get in. And again, credit to the Fox's defense for coming up short. You know, they, they gave it to Riley Fuller, the guy who probably scores on that play nine out of 10 times. Yep. And it just, it's what happens in the playoffs. So um, a historic game. You know, uh, Ty and I, I should say record for most overtimes in a playoff game, set the record for a 7 a game. Um, again, not that that's, you know, something that you hang your hat on from a game like that. Certainly Coach Morrissey and Maroons, uh, I doubt care about that all that much, but they have nothing to be ashamed of. This was an excellent game. Uh, Yorkville, a very good squad. A shame that either one of the teams honestly had to lose this one. And and again, I, I, I hope Coach Morrissey sleeps well with his decision making because I think that was the right call you You go for the win, whether they talked about it or not prior i I can't say. um but you know you you put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Kids are gonna want to score, and it just didn't work out this time. So um, a great game, great to watch and and again, just a really hard game to 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 kind of regurgitate and talk about, but it was really, really hard to see too, especially afterwards, you know, because the cameras stayed on on the broadcast. And you saw that. Not only did you see the celebration on the Yorkville side, but as the camera would pan, you saw the Moline contingent of players huddled around all the family and friends that were there, and all the fans had come off the the stands onto the field too. And it was just, you know, I, I've been there. As, as I as I talked to you before, you know, I know how that feels. I know how it feels to lose your last game of the year in the playoffs, and and it just you know, I feel for those kids. My, my advice is that it gets better. You know, it, it, it's going to sting for a long, long time. It gets better. Um, but man, what, what a fun season they had, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, unbelievable, you know, season for them. You consider some of the numbers they put up. I, I don't have them right here in front of me. We'll certainly talk about, you know, the full season later, you know, down the road. Yeah. But the season they put together and some of the numbers they put together, considering they only played eight games, right? They're all right. in game ended up being a forfeit. So when you start looking at, you know, some of the numbers they were able to produce, they, they had a great season, fantastic mm-hmm. season. And, you know, I caught up with this at the end and I, we were we were out at a, at a family function and we we're on our way home and my wife's driving and I, I get onto Twitter to see what's going on. And it was right in that fourth overtime. And I'm just, you know, trying to get updates constantly and credit to Jackson Stone reporter from the QC times. He was all over it, Mitch. I mean, he was live tweeting better than maybe any, any game I've ever seen. It was great. I'm not exaggerating either. I really, I really was so impressed. I
1: I saw it firsthand you know, um, obviously following along with him, but also (laughs) my feed was like two minutes behind everything. Okay. if I was on, um, I try not to be, I try not to be on Twitter because I didn't want it to be spoiled or anything, but yeah, there would be times that something would happen before I actually saw it. But so yeah, Jackson stone, as always, right. Um, a really, a really uh, tremendous reporter and uh, was, was doing great at this game.
0: So speaking of Jackson stone, I did get a chance to go back the next morning and read his uh, article about the game Great article, really well done. I encourage anyone to go out and mm-hmm. check that out, follow along on uh, QC times, subscribe to their coverage. Uh, You know, his first line, one yard from history, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. that says everything it's heartbreaking. even in the, in that context, because Great. just the result of the game, knowing what it would have meant to the Moline program, they'd never been to the quarterfinals. It's all so heartbreaking, but again, you know, Mitch, like you referenced, you know, I think in the same situation, Coach Morris, he's going to go for it again. He said that as, you know, in the, in the con Mm -hmm. in the quote, in the article that it's a tough decision that's going to sting. But if you're in that same, you know, in that same setting, he's probably going to go for it again. And it's debatable, right? I mean, we, we kind of had, you know, back and forth with people on Twitter about what do you do? And there is maybe no right or wrong answer. And depending on the situation and home or away and what overtime and, you know, the, the condition of your team at the time, there's so many factors, right. Is what I'm saying. But I think at the end of the day, the thought I kept coming back to is you can't be afraid to lose, right? When you're on the one yard line with a third and a fourth down attempt, and you know, the kind of offense you have, you can't be afraid to lose. Yeah. In the fourth overtime, you can't be afraid to lose. And I think, that's where my head goes when it's like, yep, you go for it. You're at yep. the one. You may not get this shot again in a fifth or who knows how many overtimes. So you go well, for it.
1: Right. And, and again, they gave it to, to Riley Fuller, their best player, right? And maybe it's not nine out of 10, but, you know, in any situation, an offense on a one-yard line is going to probably, again, the analysts would probably say, yep, the offense is going to score the majority of the time, probably not nine out of 10, but, you know, the majority sure um and you know what when when that debate kind of comes up the flip the other the other side of the coin never does right okay what if they kick the field goal what if it's a bad snap what if it's a bad kick sure you know bad things can happen if you try and kick it too so um yeah again you know they didn't try any any trickery right if they if they tried to get this from the one and they tried some weird you know play that that wasn't going to work then yeah you could second guess it But no. On a simple play uh, with your best player, you roll the dice. And, again, it's a credit to Yorkville for stopping it. And, uh, again, uh, a great judgment call, I thought, from
0: Coach Morrissey to end the game right then and there. Because, like you said, you never know. You might not get that chance again. Yeah. And the longer you go, I mean, your team wears down, right? I mean, both Mm -hmm. sides are going to get tired. But I think you're at the the one. You have that shot. I think, yep, you go for it. And now – It it was a weird dynamic where,
1: uh, again, um, because it was 14-14 at the end of regulation, right? Um, Where that second half especially was just, there wasn't a whole lot of, I'm I'm using air quotes, action. There wasn't a lot of scoring in the second half. And then you get to the overtime, and it was, again, like first play, second play, teams were scoring back and forth. It was really quick. So it was was just a weird dynamic there in overtime.
0: Yeah, you know... Like I said, I think we both agree that it's, it's the situation to go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, that being said, the result did not work the way that Moline wanted it to. But I think, man, you walk off the field and, and you know, it stings, but hang your heads high, what this program has continued to build year after year, these guys, these, this group is a big part of that, you know, and they didn't get to where they wanted to go. But man, they did a lot. They accomplished a lot. They're Western Big Six champions. They had a great season, like we talked about. And I think someday in the future, you can be very proud of all of this, and and be, you know, at least content or be comfortable with the result, whether you yeah. like it or not.
1: Yeah, the good memories are always going to outweigh the bad, you know. And, and again, that's that's coming from from me um, not being in their shoes right now. Yeah, and and not. You know, being in or, or having that sort of same experience, but again, as as time moves on for the mulling players and the coaching staff, you'll you'll remember the good times, you'll remember the good wins, you'll remember the Western Big Six championships that you won, uh, you'll you'll remember all the exciting games that you that you won, regular season or playoff wins, whatever it may be, and uh, and this will be uh, maybe not so distant memory, but it, it certainly won't weigh on you. So um, uh, again, it it was it was a tough scene, it really was, but a, a great great season, great program. Looking forward to covering them next year and uh and their kids as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said it, tough scene. I I found myself rewatching that final play, you know, 15 times just sitting in my yep. living room on my couch after I got home. Like I said, following the live tweeting, then getting home and kind of following the last play and I, you know, I'm not, you know, in any way associated with the program, I'm you know, and it's like I can't imagine how gut-wrenching it was for Right, you know everyone involved, and I was just sitting there, kind of like stunned, you know.
1: Right, and like like I said, I was saying to myself, like, come on, everyone's like, let's just punch this in, let's move on. Yeah. Um, and then what made it tough too, and I, I tweeted this out. Um, the the broadcast camera stayed on, right, and it, it kind of kept moving back and forth. I don't know if someone was doing it or, or if they had it on a you know. Uh, a, lot a lot of those are a lot of those are auto type. Could've thing, been. yeah. yeah, could have been. Um, but it was it was at least 25 minutes before Moline even started to leave the field. Um, and, and Yorkville was pretty much off the field by then. Um, and again, it was, it was everybody who had made the trip was away from the stands and on the field for Moline. So, um, you know, just it, it's, um, again, it was heartbreaking to see, but heartwarming in a sense that they had that sense of community. Right. Um what's that quote in Ted Lasso, right? The only thing worse than being sad is being sad and alone. And they weren't that the community was there for them. They're going to continue to be there for them. Um, and, and again, just, uh, we can't say it enough how, how much fun it was for us to cover them this year and, uh, a great, great program that they have there in Molina and should hang their, their heads, their heads pretty high.
0: Yep, for sure. So, uh, you know, no, no one in this podcast is going to want to hear it, but for, uh, you know, just reporting purposes. Yorkville moves on to play Batavia in the quarterfinals, so that me, will be. Yep. Go let, ahead. Let,
1: let me say this for anyone who, and again, this is just putting a light touch outside of the game of what happened. The Yorkville PA guy was the most hype man I've ever heard in my life. He would make like a he would make like a two yard game sound like the Super Bowl game winning <laughs> catch. Like, but, okay, but in a in a bad way, like he was a homer? No, because he did it for Moline too. Okay, okay. Um now granted they have their Yorkville specific whatevers. Um, but no, he did a great job of kind of being that same way with Moline. So All right. but it, again, it was like every little thing was <laughs> like a David Tyree Super Bowl catch. It was crazy.
0: All right. Well, Mitch, let's move into class six A. We yep. had Quincy, the Blue Devils. They were also on the verge of history, having never been to the state quarterfinals. Unfortunately for our local area, they also fall short to Lamont 38 to 24 Quincy Falls. I read a little bit about this game from Don O'Brien and his article at MuddyRiverSports.com. Obviously, we've talked about a lot about them throughout the season. I encourage anyone to go out and check out their work over there, MuddyRiverSports.com. So Mitch, the game was close in the first half. Halftime, it was 17-10. Lamont chose to have the wind for the third quarter. Obviously, the elements were a factor across the state, whether it was rain or wind or some combination of both. Teams were, you know, affected it in various ways. This one really seemed like a critical decision for Lamont at the time. We talked about how much there was coming in with quarterback play right between both teams and mm-hmm. Lamont in the third quarter goes on to score the next 21 points on their way to the 38 to 24 win. So, you know, that kind of tells you what you need to know is that they got the wind and they were really were able to capitalize on it. On the flip side, I did read um, a little bit about, you know, Braden little and the Quincy blue Devils struggled to get their passing game going yeah. in the wind. So you hate to see that, right? You hate to see weather be a factor, but it is, it's a reality this time of year that you kind of have to play in the conditions that you're dealt and both teams got to deal with it. And and Mm -hmm. Lamont ended up, you know, being a little more battle tested and come away with the win.
1: Yeah. I think you nailed it. It looked like, you know, Brain Little had maybe some uncharacteristic interceptions that were probably affected by the weather. Right. I mean, um, but also Lamont had a really good defense. Not going to take any away from them. They, they are a very, very good team. Um, on the flip side, uh, Jarius Rice had a nice night, uh, a nice afternoon. Um, so they were able to get their run game going. Kept this game close. Uh, again, you know, a two-score loss to Lamont um, is not going to sound to you know much to anything to the players of that program, but that's not insignificant either. Um, because Lamont is really a really good program. I think they could make a shot here in 6A. So um again, yeah, you wish this was a a dry night, right? Perfect conditions. And you could have seen two really, really good quarterbacks just slinging the ball around. Um and the weather had different ideas. So uh but just like with Moline, right? This this was a a fun season, unexpected for, for me to see Quincy do as well as they did um, having, you know, playmakers that are sophomores in brain little and Andreas rice. So I couldn't be more excited about Quincy's future. I think they're going to make a play for the top of the Western big six next year. I really do. Um, so this, you know, this could be a foundation, right?
0: It's a loss, but it could be a foundation of where they want to go. Absolutely. I think they have a a ton to build on. Obviously we've talked about the young talent that they have returning. Yeah. I'm really excited for them. They're, they're going to be in the mix. I solid firmly believe that Moline is going to be in the mix. you got to believe with the program that they've built up and the other team, we're going to talk about Sterling in a minute. I, I think it's going to be those three again, right? Potentially. Yeah. So there's a lot of excitement there. And, and Quincy certainly brings a lot back to be excited about. Lamont moves on to play Chicago. Kenwood, the 13 seed who sits at eight and three. So Lamont will now get the home game. If they can win that one, they're moving into the state semifinal, and then they'd really be going up against a heavy hitter, either being Moni or East St. Louis. So, mm. yeah, that six that six a bracket will will get really tough if it hasn't already for them.
1: Yeah, well, are you catching a pattern here? We talked in seven a that the 18 seed is moving on. We talked here in six a the 13 seed is moving on. Do you see the magic of a one through 32 type of seeding here, Greg? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, but actually, I hate to spoil your bubble that the one through 16 uh seed is in 6a. So I oh okay. I thought I, I thought
1: Kenner was I, I thought you said Kenner was a 13 seed. I'm sorry. Th- they, are. They, Kenwood, are. they are. Kenwood what okay, is not, the okay. 13 seed? Yeah. Okay. Well, this back to 70. <laughs> Batavia is a really good example of that being an 18 seed. I think they're 7 and 3 or 8 and 3, yep. but like they're so much better than that. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, if this was if they were ranked uh or or seated differently, they would have played a top seed early on. Uh and, and might even won. So, um yeah, we'll get into that later is that's you know well maybe on the horizon here and in yes. we talk about
0: 1a in either in either case you are correct 1 through 32 for all classes is yeah. is the way to go so you are right. still correct well Mitch yes. we stay in the western big six and we had some success at in class 5a Sterling gets the win 50 to 8 over good stem academy Mitch we kind of thought this one would play out the way it did Sterling yeah. just looked Bigger, faster, stronger in this one. Yeah. And they scored from the very first possession. You know, they were they were kind of off and rolling in this one.
1: Yeah, I was able to watch this one too. Um, so shout out to Golden Warrior TV for, you know, put on another another fantastic presentation. Shout out Arthur's, you know, not a sponsor, but could be. Um, Absolutely. The, from the very first play of the game, I could tell. Sterling was on defense. Um, I could tell that this was going to go exactly the way we did. As you mentioned, they were faster. They were stronger. They were more disciplined. They were every facet of this game better than STEM good was. So I don't want to knock on, on good all that much because it's not on the players. You know, it's just the nature of teams that come from the Chicago public league who play nothing but other teams in the Chicago public league, even good play the CPL team in the first round. Yep. Um, you know, again, I don't take away from the kids because they had talent. Um, they had some speed. If they got to the outside, they were really athletic. They scored on a 58-yard touchdown and had a, a 75-yarder called back on a score. But for the most part, uh, again, this this was a this was a walk in the park for Sterling. So, um, but it was their quadrant of running backs and quarterbacks, their skill players. Um, you know, JP Schilling, Kale um, Ryan, AJ Kested. Tonio Tablante, they just, they shined. They they were really, really, really good. Um, you know, it was, it was J.P. Schilling who who led the way. Um, they did pass a little bit. The wind was a factor uh, in that game, too. He passed for 60 yards and a touchdown, uh, but he led the team with 107 rushing yards. Kyle Ryan had 53 and two scores. Tablante had three rushing touchdowns. I think they were all in the second half. He might have had one in the first half. 95 yards, and then A.J. Kested at 80 yards. So, again, as we've seen in every single Sterling game, those four guys um, lead the offense, and a very, very good defense uh, just you know allows them to to play that way. So, um, good. I'm going to call it a tune-up game. Uh, again, I, I don't take anything away from good or Sterling's preparation, right, because Sterling's still prepped for this game. But um, it went the way we thought it was, and now they get a really, really good test in Sycamore next week.
0: Yeah, so the Golden Warriors will continue to be Road Warriors. The uh, Sterling team now travels to Sycamore Saturday, 1 p.m. in the quarterfinals. Sycamore, a team that beat Chicago Westinghouse in the first round, 54 to 13. They got the win over Carmel, 43 to nothing. So a dominant win in the second round. Mitch, they're led by. Offensive. they're led offensively by three years starting quarterback eli meyer he and sophomore receiver burke goucher make a pretty good combination on the deep ball they also have several other playmakers more in their running attack tyler curtis zach crawford joey pulio so you know they got they got guys they, they you know mm-hmm. it's no surprise yeah. sycamore has been a good program year in and year out And, uh, you know, Zach Crawford not only ran for 91 yards on 12 carries against Carmel, he was near the team lead in tackles and had one for loss and multiple ones for no gain. So Mm -hmm. he's doing the work on both sides of the ball. Just a really tough football player all the way around.
1: Yeah, the Spartans are really, really good program. Having another great year. This will be a rematch, Greg, of the 2016 quarterfinals. Uh, where sterling did fall to, to sycamore 29 to 22
0: in another great playoff game but a game a game that I was at and speaking yeah. of like heartbreak that was a tough one that was yeah. you know that was a very good sterling football team and sycamore came into the playoffs i believe with four lot they were 5 and 4 team mm-hmm. and they just put it together at the right time and uh you know played really well that day against a very good sterling team
1: yeah so um again having a, a bit of a tune-up game again for Sterling here against good. Um, I just, again, really like the way that they're playing. They got tested against St. Vider in the first round, uh, but eventually, you know, got it figured out. Everything was fine. Um, played really, really well here against good. So I think Sterling's going to be firing all cylinders. I, I think that you couldn't ask for a more well-oiled machine in Sterling, right? They're going to give Sycamore their best shot. So I, I really am looking forward to this game. Um, was this Saturday afternoon, 1 PM? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this could be another, another really, really classic playoff matchup between these two programs.
0: Yeah. I mean, it should be a great atmosphere in Sycamore, right? I mean, two former conference opponents Mm -hmm. getting, you know, getting back together here in the playoffs. And obviously we talked about that 2016 quarterfinal matchup, but this will be it. This should be a great football game. You know, it has all indications of being a classic football game with, you know, two really talented, not just, you know, talented programs, players wise, you know, the, the players on the field. But I think X's and O's wise between Coach Schlemmer and I believe it's Coach Ryan on uh, Stur- on Sycamore side of things. You know, these guys are going to have these teams prepared, ready to go mm-hmm. right from the start. And it comes down to, you know, who executes, who can limit the mistakes. And it, it that sounds cliche, but, you know, well, these he-
1: teams yeah go ahead it, it goes back to your point last week that you had got from and i don't i don't remember what the turnover ratio was against good but what was it 22 to three that they had caused versus going into up. it yep going
0: yeah. into this game against
1: good it was 22 to three yeah and i i honestly don't remember if they if they got any turnovers at least they probably had some turnovers on downs i don't think they gave up any that that i remember but anyway um so so yeah the defense again that the game's going to be won on that end, I think, to, to be able to stop Eli Meyer, um, stop Goucher, avoid the the deep ball, avoid the big play, um, but also keep their other guys in check. So, um, I, again, I, I look forward to this game. I think Sterling's, Sterling's playing really, really well, and we'll see if they can uh, get back into the semifinals.
0: Yeah, so Sycamore has put up, you know, an impressive resume, you know, heading into the playoffs. Uh 336 points. They don't they only given up 55. So Whew. yeah, heading into the postseason, that that was, was their numbers. Who was their best opponent they played? So I was just looking through. I would say their best opponent they played in week one, they had a 35 to 7 win over DeKalb.
1: Okay.
0: They also had um Oak Forest, who's a you know pretty big school, who mm-hmm. was five and four on the year. They beat them 40 to 6. So pretty convincing win there. Um, Other than that, Morris, who is seven and two on the year, they beat them in week nine, 20, nothing.
1: Morris is really good. I think they, they were winning their playoff game 42, nothing a half this week. I don't know
0: what the final was, but that's a really good Morris team. So they shut them out, right? That's a great, (laughs) that's an impressive win. Yeah. Now On the other end, they mean they also shut out, they shut out Rochelle 34 to nothing.
1: Another playoff team. Another Mm -hmm. playoff team. So I think they're, it'll it'll, it'll take Sterling's best effort. Yeah, it'll take Sterling's best effort, but they're, they're playing at their best. So again, looking forward to this game.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's a, this seems like a toss up, right? I don't even know what else to break down in this one. It it seems like a toss up. It's going to be two really good offenses, two really good defenses going up against each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's what
1: you're going to see at this level here on out, right? So, yep. um, Yep. Yeah, Saturday, 1 p.m. That one is in Sycamore. So we'll be looking forward. we we'll be watching that one.
0: Yep, this will be a game I will be keeping my eye on for sure. All right, Mitch, let's dive into Class 3A. Princeton, the top seed, gets the 26-2 to win over Genoa Kingston. Yeah, Odd score, but uh, I saw it play out, and uh, it was right. 26-2 to final score. Mitch, you were able to watch this one for a majority. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of it, but you saw a little bit more than I did. Tell me a little bit about this one
1: yeah um it was it was a hard hitting physical game that you love to see in the playoffs. Um, weather was a factor in this one too it looked like the wind was whipping pretty good there at the jungle. Um, but the story really for me was the tiger defense they They were just so good all afternoon. Um, we knew that Genoa Kingston was a really good running team. They never got into rhythm, never. Um, you know you, you 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 saw hard hitting. Uh, all, all day. Um, the, the big one was on offense. This was in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, Tegan, Davis, Tegan Davis had a keeper on the right side and his lead blocker was Augie Christensen. And he said in the, uh, the, the post game that they had been practice, or practicing that play. And so when it was called, he knew who to look for on the cog defense and his eyes just kind of lit up and he absolutely just levels this guy um paves the way for Davis not that he needs a lot of room but it made it even easier for him so um but you saw a lot of that all day so Princeton was really good um I think they fumbled the ball seven or eight times in this game they, they recovered some of them but uh, I bet they lost four so this game probably could have been um a bigger gap than it was there was a couple of those fumbles that came in the red zone or, or at least deep into, into into genoa territory but um and again the safety was on a high snap so genoa really didn't do much in this game it was never really in doubt after being zero zero on the first so um a good win for princeton
0: um and now we get the matchup that we've been wanting to see all year yeah so here we go the tigers improved to 11 and 0 for only the second time in school history they get the rematch against the top-ranked IC Catholic in the state quarterfinals back at Bryant Field. So Mitch, the Tigers get to be at home again mm-hmm. for the third week in a row. You know, you got to catch some breaks to make that work, but good for them. That, that's that's think, a good. I think I
1: I saw that if they if they were to win, they would also host the semifinal. I think I think there's a way that they would host the whole way through.
0: Yeah, that that is crazy because it doesn't. It's rare that that happens. Right. So this will be a rematch of last year's quarterfinal. IC Catholic came away with a thirty-one to seven win. The semifinal would be either against Byron or Reed Custer. So mm-hmm. Mitch, this this north side of the of three A is kind of playing out the way we thought it would so far. Princeton, IC Catholic, yep. Byron, and Reed Custer were all the teams that impressed us, and they're all four left. So here we go. Who who's yeah, going to flinch, right? It, this is great football. This is this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah, I think the state
1: champion lies in one of those four teams you just mentioned. So this is this is really really good football here on the on these last two games or not last two but here in, in the north bracket. So um, you know for IC Catholic they won first round 63 nothing over Chicago King. Second round was was weird. They they won 42 to 14 over Stone Valley. They were only up 15 to 14 at half. And I want to say they were only up 21-14, like, late in the fourth. So I don't know what happened. But yeah, um, I, I, it seems like they scored late a couple times. Um, but, again, it's still a, a nice win over Stillman Valley. So this is their seventh consecutive trip to the quarterfinals. Um, obviously lost last year to Byron in the semifinals. Correct. In a crazy, in a crazy game. So um, we talked about IC Catholic in the preview show, or you guys did we could rattle off every player they have on their roster and it would maybe do it justice. They're just so good. Um, in the second round game against Silmon Valley, Denzel Gibson had four touchdowns. Um, they, they've got a kid who plays on both sides. He's listed as an athlete for recruiting purposes, Dominic Hollick. He's a sophomore, but he just got offers from Illinois and Wisconsin. So, but you would see that you'll see that across every level of IC Catholic. Um, they're, they're just very, very good football players, very, very good program, not unbeatable, not at all. As we saw last year against Byron. And I think this Princeton team is better than they were last year. I think they're playing better at this type of year than they were last year. Um, So again, depending on the weather, um, it it could change what they want to do offensively, but even in bad conditions on Saturday, you still saw Davis throw a little bit. They just didn't need to. Um, so this again, when we're talking about Sterling playing the best football that they have, I think Princeton's the same way. They haven't let their foot off the gas all year, so let's let's do it. Let's see it. Let's see Princeton at full strength. I see Catholic at full strength, and let's see who wins.
0: Yeah, again, I totally agree. And again, it's what we said about Sterling and Sycamore. I think it's two really good offenses and two really good defenses, and it's all going to be on that field that day. I'm I'm excited to see this one as well. Uh, Mitch, is this also uh, Saturday at 1 o'clock? Do we have a time yet on this one?
1: Uh, I had it somewhere. I just tweeted it out. I believe it is. There was a lot of games that are, are mostly Saturday at 1.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I'm going to do a quick check for the problem you. Guys, is, for
0: the everybody. problem is if I want to watch all of them,
1: it's going right. to be really hard, well, especially well, if well, I go nice to a game. Is, yeah, what's nice is you get some on NFHS, but the the all reliable type is It is. It is uh,
0: Saturday at 1 o'clock.
1: Yeah, so yep. you, at least with this one, you can get on the YouTube uh, broadcast and have uh, NFHS somewhere else.
0: Yeah, so I did watch some uh, Icy Catholic highlights just through, you know, max preps or huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, what I will say is, you know, obviously they'll spread you out. They'll throw, you know, throw deep or they'll throw to the flats. They'll go to the outside and get those, you know, right, wide receivers in space. What I was impressed with obviously is, you know, they can make one move and they're, and they get to top speed pretty quick, right? They, they're Mm going to make one move. And if they get by one missed tackle, they're going to go a long way. Yeah. Uh, But this, this Princeton defense, Mitch, we, we, I'm not,
1: yeah. Uh, Again, it's, if, 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 if if I see Catholic is, is shifty. Sure. But Princeton is not going to miss a tackle. They are going to, uh, or or they're not going to break a tackle on you. I should say. Yeah. The way that they played against Genoa, like, just smack them in the mouth. So yeah. that's the type of defense you need to have um, when you're going to play a team like I see Catholic. So again, the way that they played this week, the way that they've played all season, um, I, I think is really going to play well into their hands on Saturday afternoon.
0: Yeah. And I, I like the fact that you really feel like this is a disciplined Princeton defense, right? Like, Oh yeah. They know, they know their assignment, they know their job and they're not going to get, I don't think they're going to get too overwhelmed and too antsy to try to make a play. That's not theirs. Right. And be out of position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, man, I I'm excited for this one. And I like you, you mentioned it earlier. This is a better Princeton team than a year ago. Yeah. You no, know, this is a more experienced team. Obviously mm-hmm. they've come a long way since then. I I'm excited to give, to see what they can do here. And I, I think they have a great shot. I think this is another toss up game with two yeah. really good football teams.
1: I did see somewhere in an article, I think it was just the Shaw write-up from the IC Catholic game, that one of their players had said that they know that they're always the underdog. I saw that. Who who is saying that? Who has (laughs) ever said IC Catholic is an underdog because they're a smaller school? No one has ever once said that. Now, we've we've talked plenty about IC Catholic where we think they should play in terms of classification. Never once have we said they're an underdog. I don't know where that mentality comes from. (laughs)
0: it's funny i read that same thing and i almost put it in the notes that i forgot before we got going yeah. here but you're right that underdog mentality has certainly not been mentioned on this podcast in reference to i see
1: maybe it's a coaching point that they try and keep the kids grounded
0: i don't know but yeah. no one is saying that no one has ever once said that no this is going to be this is going to be a football a great game between two great teams and mitch i'll just say it because we're, we're view from the west i I hope Princeton can get this one done right. Yeah, I said it oh, before yeah. the seasons. I said it before the postseason started. I want to see. I want to see the stripes in Champagne. I want to. Yeah. I want to be there when Princeton's playing in Champagne. That would be awesome.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I told you, it's it's a pretty close uh, trip for me to get to there opposed to Decalb. So uh, we know we'll have one team there, right, and one. Of yep. You. Um, yep. So if we can make a day out of it, let's do it.
0: I'm, I'm hoping hoping for the best for several different teams. But uh, they're not, they're, you know, not going to go out and
1: win on our behalf. But, I mean, uh, if they're listening, it's a little, <laughs> a little incentive,
0: you know? That's right.
1: But oh, they're listening. Uh, but, again, um, let's say that that happens, right, that they beat Icy Catholic here on Saturday. Does it make the road any easier? Oh, no.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, no. No. <laughs> well, it doesn't get any easier because we're going to talk about the next team that would potentially yeah. be waiting for them. Reed Custer gets the win 20 20- Four to six over Dupec. Credit to the Rivermen defense on this one, Mitch. I was really impressed. I did get a chance mm-hmm. to watch a good portion of this game. Reed Custer was really held in check. The Rivermen did a great job of really slowing down a Comets offense that's been high octane all year, right? We've talked right. about how many points they've put up, yeah. and Dupec was really able to slow them down.
1: Yeah, a team, a Comet team that had scored 611 points coming into the game. Um, but it talking about defense, it was that Reed Custer defense who kind of shined and maybe gave them a, a little bit of an advantage here. Held a, a really good dupeck offense to just 111 yards, um, only 45 on the ground, really kept uh Mulcahy and then the rest of that offense in check too so again another great defensive battle here we knew how good Reed Custer was going to be uh, we knew that this would be a hard game for Dupec. Um, and, and again you you hang your heads high for the Rivermen um, a, a great showing here in this game uh Cooper Hoffman did the touchdown that they scored was a Hooper, Cooper Hoffman touchdown pass to Will Howard um, and it was only eight to six at the break. So that's this what I was mean. I mean, they, they um, really
0: played well in the first half.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and so they were they were right there. So credit to to Reed Custer who who made some adjustments. Got so I, I don't I didn't see how they scored, but um, you know the, the, again this is a lot of credit to Dupec needs to be paid because they played really really well um, against a really really good opponent, and they have nothing to uh, to be ashamed of in this one. Another great season. Again, another fun team to cover. We like covering the Riverman. So. Um, but for now they, uh, they bid adieu. We will see them next year. And Reed Custer moves on for their rematch against Byron, which was a really good game last year.
0: Yeah. So Byron and Reed Custer will meet up in the quarterfinal. That's the game that would be awaiting I.C. Catholic and Princeton. Mm-hmm. So just that, that three, a North loaded mm-hmm. bracket. Who's in, who's in the South. So yeah, in the South of class three, a, you still have Prairie central 11 and 0. We've talked right. a lot about they're playing Tolono Unity in one of the quarterfinals. And actually, one of the upset teams here, Stanford Olympia, came in as a 15 seed right. at 5-4. and, five and four. They beat Benton in round one on the road, obviously, because they were the 15 seed. Then they got a home game against St. Joe Ogden and beat them 60-28. to 28. So <laughs> they are really firing on all cylinders right now. They'll be tested this week, though. They go up against the three-seed Williamsville. One of the favorites on that southern end of the bracket,, yeah. so yeah, that I will, would think go ahead. We, we talked about on the
1: on the playoff preview show how stacked this was, right? How yeah. incredibly good this this 3A bracket was. Um, and, and maybe with the you know exception of Olympia, who we didn't talk much about, but obviously they're proving to be very good, these are eight of the best teams in the state not just three, eight, eight of the best teams in the state that are left. And so, um, yeah, these, these are really, really fun matchups that are going to going to go down, uh, here next weekend.
0: Yeah. I think I'll be going back and watching a lot of, uh, NFHS, you know, in delay, you know, Saturday night after it's all said and done because there's a lot of great football that you can't watch all at once. Uh, Yeah. I
1: imagine the, I imagine all four of those games will be close. So.
0: Yep. Well, let's move into Class 2A, and Mitch, how about the Rockridge Rockets? They get the 27-18 to 18 win over Bloomington Central Catholic. This was a really entertaining game, and mm-hmm. of course it was because Jackson Stone was also at this game. So, Yep, he, he knows where to go. He's, he gets all, the right assignments. He covers all the good ones. So Rockridge jumped out fast. Alex Zarlatanis almost takes the first play from scrimmage to the house. He gets down to the one-yard line, then punches it in on the next play. But this one was far from over. And back and forth all afternoon, Bloomington Central Catholic led this one 18-14 after the third quarter, into the third quarter, before Peyton Locke, 52-yard touchdown. That put the Rockets up for good. They got another from 60 for insurance. So, Mitch, credit to the Rockets' defense in this one in the second half. It's a shutout effort to go to move on to the quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, so so Peyton Locke had both of those second half touchdowns. He ends with 230 on the ground, three touchdowns. So, um, and again, that 60 yarder. They were they were winning at the time, but that that added that extra insurance. But again, it's it's that defense who made the adjustments right. Losing halftime, uh, saw what they needed to see, made the right adjustments, and shut out the Saints in the second half. A A Saints team that we thought were pretty good. Obviously, they. They beat Mercer County last week. Um, and Rockridge just continues to play the way that we thought that they would, right? They they Since we talked about them in their week one loss, I don't remember when we started predicting that they were going to go 8-1, and one, but it was pretty early. Um, and they just continue to play really, really well. Love this offense. Have loved it for every year that we've done the show, right? So it's yep. just a test to testament to their program good to see them advance this far um big test though big test coming up on saturday with one of the premier teams uh in two
0: A. that's absolutely right in the quarterfinals more forsyth is waiting they'll have to travel to rock ridge saturday at two o'clock yeah. so top seeded Moreau forsyth they won in the first round 69 to 8 over north lawndale Second round, they won 42 to 12. So a nice convincing win over Farmington, a team we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about this year. Mitch, as you'd expect, this Maroa Forsyth team, year in and year out, they're they're always in the picture. And this yeah. this looks to be one of their better teams in several years.
1: Yeah. If you look at their Twitter profile picture, it's just a series of state trophies, whether it's I think they only have one championship. I two, think maybe I believe two state two. titles. Yep. But they're always there. They're usually out of the, out of the south bracket. So yep. um, they're in the north this year, so they get the top seed. But they're normally the south representative. So, um, uh, again, that win over. I would normally say that in the south they don't really get a whole lot of competition or, or as good of competition in the north. But that 30-point win over Farmington is all you need to know to negate that argument. Um, yeah, a really, really good team, as always. Uh, Aiden Riser, their defensive leader. He had 19 tackles, including four for loss in the second round win over Farmington. Yep. Uh, he's the all-time leader uh, for tackles for loss. So, anytime you're talking all-time record for any stat at Murrow Forsyth, you're really talking about a good player. Yep. And to add to that, he's also a running back who had three touchdowns and 102 all-purpose yards in that win. So, Mr. Do-It-Everything, really going to have to be a guy that Rockridge keys on. Um, I would say the quarterback here, Greg, but I'm going to leave that to you because
0: I will butcher that name. I believe it's Caden Maurer. Okay. and So I, for, I, for I may have miss- if not spelled that way. <laughs> I may have misspelled it, but I believe okay. it's Caden Maurer, quarterback, dual threat. He had three rushing touchdowns. He had over 200 yards rushing and passing yeah. combined. So he's, you know, somebody you have to watch for as well. Mitch, getting back to Aiden Reiser. I love it. Kyle Kampmeyer calls him Tim Riggins of IHSA football. So yeah. you got to appreciate that reference. If you're compared to Tim Riggins, you're doing something right on a football field.
1: Yeah, uh, I've seen his highlights. I've seen Maurer's highlights. So, uh, again, it's the, they're a really good team. There's nothing more you have to say about Moreau Forsyth. So, the good thing for Rock Ridge is that, as, and we sound like a broken record at this point, and we're, we'll say it again when we talk about Knoxville, and we'll say it again when we talk about the 1A teams, Yeah, but it's, it's what happens this time of year. Your, your teams are playing the best that they have all year. Um, and I think Rockridge absolutely falls into that same sort of category. So um, when you when you have Peyton Locke, when you have Alex Zarlatanis, um, and that and Cooper Deem, that whole offensive unit for the Rockets playing the way they are, and that defense coming up strong in the second half, um, what more could you ask for going into a game against Moorhead?
0: Well, I was going to say what's what I love about this Rockridge team, and you kind of pointed it out right there is they have multiple weapons, right? It's kind of spread across their offense, not to mention a good offensive-defensive line and a, a really solid defense who's playing really well right now. But I guess my, my most significant point here is that with Jacob Bain going down to injury, which is unfortunate, you never want to see that, it, it's created a unique dynamic to where a lot of teams don't have a whole lot of film you know, a whole lot of tape to study because they've kind of been shifting things around a little bit. I feel like Mm -hmm. Peyton Locke's been running out of the wildcat and Connor Deem's also been taking snaps at quarterback. So I just think there's a lot of different things that Sam Graves is doing on offense. And obviously Connor Deem has been, you know, a great addition at QB that maybe unexpected addition at QB. So I just think, that's an interesting dynamic heading into this game against Burwell Forsythe is that there's only so much they can game plan, but it's kind of adjusting as it goes week by week. It seems like.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So um, can we look forward to this one at, at, uh, at Rock Ridge there in Taylor Ridge 2 PM on Saturday. Let me say this, Greg um, shout out to Rock Ridge athletics, Twitter for posting the message that needs to be shouted from the mountaintops. Yes. Do not trust. Any sort of link on Twitter that shows a stream or whatever. Um, 99% of those are fake. I don't think Devin X14567 <laughs> has the right stream. I don't think he does. Um, they're getting crafty now with, yeah, I say, state, I should say, football, whatever. Um, I think. The reminder there is that the IHSA Twitter account does not post streaming links at all until the state championship. So if you see see some sort of Twitter IHSA account posting a stream, it's probably not correct, and you're probably trying to get or they're probably trying to scam you. So always stay vigilant out here, folks. Um, Check with the school if they have something first. The 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 bar there is to see if it's an NFHS link. If you got that, you're pretty golden. Other teams do YouTube, whatever it is. Don't trust these weird Twitter accounts that are just bots that are just trying to get your credit card because you're not going to get a game stream at all. I saw a couple teams do it this week. Um, So please, uh, thanks again to Rockridge for pointing this out. Please stay vigilant. Please check your links and don't fall for a scam
0: they posted multiple ones that were scammed. So yeah, good, good for them to get the message out there. Yeah. Mitch, before we wrap up our discussion with Rock Ridge, did you see the uh, highlight or the video from Camille gear from WQAD? She was also there covering the game yeah. at the end. Really cool moment. They go into victory formation. Jacob Bain, the quarterback that we mentioned, who's injured out for the year, was able to come in, take the victory formation, kneel down, and then the team celebrates by sprinting off the field, diving yeah. through the muddy sidelines in their white road unis. It was a cool moment.
1: Yeah. Not, not for the moms uh, <laughs> and dads of the Rockridge players, because that's probably not a fun uh, evening for, for them. Well, um, I have
0: it on, I have it on good authority that they're getting new road uniforms next year. So. Okay. There is a little, okay. you know, there's not too much downside here. They can get a little. Now, dirty. That, now that I'm looking forward to. I, if Rockridge
1: could improve anywhere, it's in the uniform game. So if they haven't, you know, if you haven't
0: designed those yet, Rockridge, we're right here. We're happy to take a look. Yep. Um, yep. The consulting oh, yeah. the uniform consulting firm is is waiting. We're right yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting for our first
1: assignment as we just kind of do <laughs> our own thing. But yeah.
0: Also, tough t- t- afternoon for for Camille. Right?
1: She had to, to uh, cover this game and the elements, and then she had to watch Tennessee lose. So tough. <laughs> tough day.
0: Oh, that's true. Day. That's that's very true. All right. So Rockridge gets the win. Like we said, they advance to the quarterfinals. Another team from our area, Knoxville from the LTC. They are also in the quarterfinals. They defeat Bismarck Henning 48 to 29 Mitch, the fifth quarterfinal appearance in school history for Knoxville, that being 88, 90, 04 and 2019. So this Knoxville program year in and year out as a playoff contender And this year is, you know, one of the high watermarks back in the the state quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, um, played really well in this game. It it never really went back and forth. I wouldn't say I think Knoxville is always in pretty good control of this one. But they did score 20 unanswered in the fourth. So um, a a fun game to follow along on. Jackson Johnson, who we've talked about all year, was really the, the workhorse in this one. He had five touchdowns. Um, that, that, again, pushed this Knoxville team once again into the quarterfinals. It was only 14 to 13 at halftime. Um, so, so again, I, I, I still don't I, – I would still be confident in saying that Knoxville was never in doubt in this one, um, but they they really pushed ahead there in the second half. So, um, as you mentioned, they move on to the quarterfinals where they will play Tri-Valley. that Saturday at 1 p.m. in Downs at the high school there. Um I'm just thinking about this now. Not saying that Knoxville is going to lose, because I, I don't think that at all. But if Rock Ridge were to win and Tri Valley were to win, that would be a rematch of a first round game from last year. That was a classic matchup.
0: Yes, you are correct. Um also getting back to Jackson Johnson, he ties an IHSA 2 a playoff record for most rushing touchdowns in one game with his back. So all right. big, big shout out to him and Mitch. It's good to see. You know, he's been kind of their workhorse all year, Mm -hmm. but a week ago, it was Oscar Young getting a lot of the carries and doing great work. So it's good to have multiple weapons, right? Well,
1: that's that seems to be a pretty common uh, factor here, denominator, I'm not a math guy, of every, (laughs) of all the teams we've talked about, right? Rock Ridge, multiple weapons, Um, Princeton, multiple weapons, Sterling multiple weapons. So these are the types of teams that you see moving on and it's coming to fruition here for, for these guys. So, um, yeah, Knoxville again, um, can, can have that sort of performance from multiple different players. So it was Jackson Johnson this week could be somebody else next week, um, against the tri Valley team who is coming off of a 28, 21 win over the defending two way champs at Wilmington. That was a really good game. Um, so they're riding high. Knoxville's riding high and uh, again, another matchup that we're just looking forward to seeing because it seems like it's a bit of a toss-up.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with, uh, you know, Tri-Valley getting what has to be considered an upset win, 28-21, over a very good Wilmington program. You know, just kind of looking down the schedule for Downs Tri-Valley, you know, they have a loss, a close loss to Ridgeview-Lexington. The One mm-hmm. of the powerhouse teams in class 1A. They only mm-hmm. lost that one 21-16.
1: Again, the way that Knoxville is playing, I, I I'm just been so impressed with both sides of the ball. And again, it's the multiple weapons that they have that can stretch out a defense. And again, it could be Oscar Young, could be any other player who gets the five touchdowns this week in a game. So um, yeah, looking looking forward to seeing this game on Saturday at one at, in, in downs.
0: Yeah. Yep, another game. Obviously, no secret here. Every quarterfinal matchup is intriguing. There's going to be some great football.
1: The winner of this one plays the winner of Rock Ridge and Marlow, correct?
0: Correct, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. who do we have in 2A South? In 2A South, Decatur, St. Teresa, obviously one yep. of the favorites in Class 2A. Good win Eight. over
1: Athens in second round.
0: Yes, yep, they got a win over Athens. They will host Pena. Uh, Ooh, in that's a Yep, a 10 and 1 team right now. On the other side, going way down in Southern Illinois, Johnston City is sitting at 11 and 0. They yep. will take on Altoff Catholic, who's the 14 seed at 7 and 4. So a couple wins, yep. 5 and 4 team now grabs a couple wins in uh, Belleville Altov. That one will be in Johnston City. So I think looking down on that half, Decatur St. Teresa would be the favorite, you know, of those four. So. Yeah. I, I know
1: Johnston city is, is unbeaten. I don't know who they've played, but again, it's not easy to get the quarterfinals regardless. So, yeah, but that's, that's an interesting matchup with, with Pana. Because yeah. They're a
0: good program. Yeah. So yeah. Pain is good. Pretty good year Pain. in and year out. Johnston city plays in the black diamond conference. So maybe not the toughest conference in the state. I mean, they're not, they're not being challenged week in and week out. I don't think right. compared to some of the other schools in two A, but um you know, that's a tough matchup against the Belleville all team that mm-hmm. they've probably played some bigger schools, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, that will be an interesting matchup there, but I, I think, yeah, Decatur St. Teresa kind of has the track record and they're hungry, right? Nashville knocked them off last year right. when they were a potential favorite. Crazy to make it. Yeah. Crazy, Yes. When they were a potential favorite to make it to DeKalb to play for a state title, they never got that mm-hmm. shot. So yep. I'm sure they're anxious to get back, but yes, Back on the northern half, Moreau Forsyth and Rock Ridge will be at Rock Ridge on Saturday on the other half of that top bracket, Knoxville and Downs Tri Valley. So we'll see where we end up, how all this shakes out. So let's move in to class 1A. And things have certainly shaken out in the favor of the Northwest upstate yep. Illini. We'll start with Fulton. They get the win 28 to nothing over Rockford Lutheran. That, in itself, I think, is impressive, yeah, that Fulton gets the shutout here over a Rockford Lutheran team that we thought could be dangerous. They proved it in round one, right?
1: right. um obviously a Rockford Lutheran team that plays a one A but plays a three a four a schedule coming from the Big Northern um and we're impressive uh in the playoffs up to this point this This one did surprise me, not taking away from what Fulton did just with what I had been impressed with with Rockford Lutheran. Um, also not to take anything away from Fulton's win, it did look like the weather really, really affected what Rockford Lutheran could do. Yep, um, Game played right into Fulton's hands, right? The, the defense stepped up um, amidst 35-mile-an-hour wins, but that really took uh, Lutheran's quarterback, King Hughes, who had a great season. He was only two of 14 passing for 11 yards, and one of those incompletions was a pick six. So um, a hard-fought game in the first half. Fulton was only up 6 nothing um but then they they started to just chip away right they got the momentum lucas schroeder who was i think their lead back last week did it again 135 yards and a touchdown um they also scored on back-to-back drives so um that got them out to a 20 nothing lead and then that aforementioned to pick six put this one away so great win for fulton they've had a great season um again not Trying to use uh, the the weather as any sort of excuse for uh, why they won because I don't think that was the case at all. I just think it was it took the the winds took the wind out of Rockford Lutheran's sails.
0: Very um, so, very poetic, Mitch. Very yeah.
1: poetic. I'm not a I'm not a sea guy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a, a completely not um, unexpected that Fulton is going to the quarterfinals. Right? They they were they've shown all year that they were a good team. Gave Lee win the best, um, best game of the year, I would say. Um, certainly early, it, it got away from a little bit in the second half. But, yep. Um, you know, here here we go again. Uh, not only a rematch from that regular season game, a rematch from the quarterfinals last year, and uh, all, all UIC quarterfinal. What more can you ask for?
0: Well, yeah. Let's get into that. Lena Winslow gets the seventy-six to seven win over <laughs> Rova Williamsfield. Whew. Great season for Rova Williamsfield. I, you know, I will not take anything away from them. They played a great year and really a bounce back year and really making a name for themselves in that program. They just they ran into a buzzsaw, You know this this I, is a look. I I
1: I really liked Rova Williamsfield this year. I've been impressed with what they did in their first you know kind of year uh, as a co op. I really tried to hide my fears in last week's episode against this because. Lee Wynn is just an incredible, (laughs) incredible team. Um, I I just kept seeing the score updates in this one as I was watching the Princeton game. And the Princeton uh, broadcast team would would be continually giving score updates. And every time it was like, well, I got an update from Lee Wynn for you. And it was just, you know, amazing to see what they were doing. So, uh, Greg, it looks like we have some records that were set here on Saturday.
0: Yeah, so the Panthers set an IHSA record for most points scored in a Class 1A playoff game, that being the 76, after already having the record for most points scored in a 1A championship game at 58. Mm -hmm. So after not having much of a workload last week, the Panthers went back to kind of their three backs. Gunnar Lobdell, 180 yards, rushing three touchdowns including the first play from scrimmage. So uh, they left no doubt in this one. As soon as they hit the field, you know, they were going to play a great game. Jake Zeal, another great game, 97 yards, just seven carries, but two touchdowns out of that. And Gage Gage Dunker, over 1,000 yards for the season. He went over 1,000 yards for the season in this game. So just overall, this Lena Winslow team is doing what they do so well, right? spreading it out, getting running backs in their offensive line. should get a ton of credit here. 429 rushing yards, nine touchdowns on the day mm-hmm. overall team effort, the line, the backs, everybody.
1: Yeah. I, I saw some highlights from this one. So obviously the offense was the story, but, um, saw some defensive highlights and, and they just, they, they were in, you know, Riley Danner's kitchen on on a couple of times that I, or the couple of plays that I did see. They're just so fast, so strong on defense as well, as you can see here with, with a nearly 70-point win. So um, as we talked about, the Fulton sets up a rematch, right, where um, Fulton gave Lee Wynn their toughest test of the season. It was close in the first half, um, but they Lee Wynn pulled away. I looked up some numbers on this, Greg. Um, Fulton is 0-2. All t- actually, I didn't look this up. Kyle looked it up, and I found it from Kyle's Twitter. Just full disclosure. Uh, Fulton is is 0-2 all-time versus Lee Wynn in the playoffs. Um, They have also lost each of their last three quarterfinal games. Obviously, it doesn't have anything to do with this team at all. Um, Just a trend. They lost in 0-1, in 16, and 21, as mentioned to Lee Wynn. Uh, On the flip side, Lee Wynn has scored 52-plus in each of their last four quarterfinal games. So, um, they've scored 50 plus on Fulton in both of the games that they've played them previously. And so this is, this is a test. This is going to have to be another stout defensive effort from Fulton. They're going to have to do it for four quarters. They did it against Rockford Lutheran, but they're going to have to try and find something, anything that can stop this Lee offense when nobody has this year or no one has in the last three years, other yeah, than, I, other than, other, other
0: than Forreston and other than Dupec. But you yes, know, well, you know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. In the playoffs, you know, it's there you go. people haven't been able to stop them. I think, you know, you look at Fulton certainly. Yeah. Defensively. That's, that's the big question, right? Is, is what can you draw up? What, what can you do to try to find some answers on the offensive side of the ball? You know, we've talked week in and week out, I've been impressed with Fulton's ability to really, you know, have a balanced attack that mm-hmm. they can throw, they can, they can run that if they continue to do that, I think that keeps a defense, you know, off balance a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But again, it's a really good Lee Win team. They're solid yeah. all the way around, but you know, coming into this one, Fulton's had to battle, right. And Lee win didn't really have to battle much so far. I don't know well, if that this, plays into it, but this,
1: this was, I mean, I don't remember what the score was at half, but this was probably one of the first games in a while where all of their guys have played probably into the second half, pretty, pretty strong. And you see what happens. So, um, you know, what you were talking about Fulton being balanced where Lee win is not, <laughs> you yeah. know what they're going to do. You yeah. know exactly what they're going to do. You don't have to uh, pretend to defend a pass at all. And they still can't be stopped. And they still, it, yeah. Yep. So Um, but regardless looking forward to this playoff football at Fulton is a lot of fun. Um, It's a great environment. I told my parents to go. um, And and I think this will be just another classic NUIC matchup. Um, And again, it's just a testament to the conference that we have four teams here in the North, one of which will be in Champaign and uh, looking forward to seeing who comes
0: outstanding. So I already got the text from uh, Matt Randazzo asking if I'd be uh, interested in going to Fulton to cover this one.
1: So Mm -hmm.
0: actually he, he said it in a group text and said, what are the odds that Greg's going to be there covering this one for us? So I think he already assumes this is the one I'm, this is the one I'm going to pick.
1: So he texts you when he needs something, but he (laughs) won't text when you need something from him. Okay. That makes sense. I get it. it.
0: I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys fight that one out. Well, I'm not going to tell. You if I need something, that's for sure. <laughs> so I was there last year in Lee Wynn for this quarterfinal game, so maybe it's yeah. uh maybe I have to make the trip again. This one much closer to my house in Fulton, so maybe make make this trip and uh, uh
1: it's yeah. going to it's going to be a great, you know, Fulton has always always had great community presence. It's going to be hard to park, I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's really a tough place to park. Um but it's going to be packed. Uh, hopefully the weather's nice. Um, and again, Fulton is such a cool, cool place to see a game regardless, even that much cooler, uh, in, in a playoff setting. So we'll see if they can get that steamer golf cart thing rolling. Um, and for their hope they're going to need to, uh, it's a beatly win.
0: Yep. I am. I'm hoping for a great game, right? A great battle of NUIC football teams in the postseason. And Mitch, this is an NUIC matchup up on the top of the North bracket. And it's not the only one. Dakota yeah. and Forreston, both four Ooh. and five and four teams coming into the playoffs, but teams that we thought, you know, they may have been battle-tested and ready to go in this one eight bracket, and they have certainly proven it. Let's start with Forreston. Yeah. Forreston gets the win, 44-16 over Chicago Hope Academy. Mitch, this was a game we talked a lot about last week because we were really interested in the contrast in styles mm-hmm. and we we kind of saw that we saw that play out and we that NUIC style of really hard-hitting football you know Forrest proved it once again they've done it before they did it again yeah. on Saturday
1: well and I'm not going to take away from the independent teams because that's not the same as what Chicago Public League teams do right but, again, our, our concern with, with Hope was that they hadn't played anybody outside of Marquette. Um, and we knew that they hadn't played anybody who plays like Forreston does. Um, and it, it, and like we talked about in the Sterling game, this played out exactly the way that we thought it was going to go.
0: Yeah, so reading the uh, article from the Sauk Valley Times, uh, Andy Colbert, caught a great quote on the sidelines from Chicago hope midway through the second quarter, you hear a coach yelling, we're getting run over and pushed around. And I think that quote kind of says that quote says what NUIC football wants to do to you, right? Mm -hmm. They want to power up front and they want to really be able to push you around and hit you hard. That's what Forrest does. That's what a lot of these NUIC teams do. Mitch, your guy, Johnny Kobler, continues to get the job done for the Cardinals mm-hmm. on the ground.
1: Yeah, he seems to be the top back uh, amongst many uh, in their arsenal. But, yeah, um, my guy Johnny, 182 yards on 26 carries, three scores in this one. Um, and, and, again, this was uh, – what was – they were up, I think, 24 to 8 at halftime. So, never in doubt in this one. Um and this sets up a really intriguing matchup. And we'll talk about the Dakota game here now, but um, more intrigued by this one than Lee Winfulton.
0: Yeah, I this this one I agree is very intriguing. I don't know which one I'm more interested in, but I it's really close. It's gonna be really good football. So Forreston advances to take on Dakota in the quarterfinals. Dakota gets the win. In the second round, 30 to 19 over Otto Marquette. Mitch, this was the quote from uh, Coach Yups from Marquette. And I think it kind of sums up everything you need to know about playing an NUIC football team. Quote, they didn't do anything we didn't expect. They just did it very well. Yeah. So that's, you know, these Northwest Upstate alumni teams. Well, not that's,
1: gonna, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go they're ahead. not
0: going to surprise you. Right but they're going to be very effective in what they do.
1: Yeah, and that's that was the Dakota teams of the early 2000s that I played against, that was their M.O., right? Uh, uh, much Lee Win like you knew what they were going to do, and you couldn't stop it because they were so well at executing their offense. So, um, yeah, this was uh, 200 yards combined, three touchdowns. They had, wrote, just like Borson does, you know, rotating fullback Thomas Bowman. Uh, Connor Matthews, they're the leading rusher from the NYC this year. Adrian Arellano, who had a good game last week, um, only had 47 yards They didn't really need him. So, um, again, another team, again, I keep saying it, or we keep saying it, teams that have multiple weapons are the teams that advance. And and Dakota and Forreston and Lee Wynn, and every team we've talked about that won in the second round and pushed on, have those same qualities. So, yeah. Um, Cool to see uh, again. We've we've talked so much about the NUIC this year, um, and how we thought it could happen. We thought that the top four teams in one A were from the NUIC. It's unfortunate that they have to to face each other here in the in the top bracket, um, but it doesn't take away from from what they are. If the state wasn't already on notice, which I don't think that they weren't, um, look no further than right here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hope they take notice. And I hope that they realize that this, this should be, you know, these teams should be spread out because they're proving themselves, you know, in this, in this postseason format, I was really impressed with Dakota and the, and the way they played and the way they executed this one against Marquette. So they grabbed all the momentum early Dakota did. They were, they were down six, nothing, but they ended up, um, you know, charging out to a 22 to six lead. Marquette grabbed a lot of momentum back at the end of the first half. They cut it to 22-19. So halftime, this game felt like it was going to be really close moving into the second half just based on Marquette really kind of storming back. Marquette gets the ball to open the second half. They march down a slow, methodical drive, a Coach Yups kind of drive. They convert on a couple different fourth downs, but they get down to the Dakota 15 and they fall short. They can't convert a fourth down. Dakota ends up marching straight back downfield, very similar drive, and just controlling the clock, not passing the ball at all. They only threw the ball twice, and Mm -hmm. once once was at the end of the first half, and it was an interception. They didn't pass again. So they score. Marquette goes three and out then Dakota runs out the final 10-19 of the game. I mean, Mitch, we talked about last week, Forreston going up against Chicago Hope Academy, and I thought if Forreston would hold the ball long enough, you know, that's what they're going to do, control the game by controlling the clock. That's exactly what Dakota did in this one. I mean, (laughs) Marquette had three plays, after they were stopped on a fourth down had three more plays the rest of the game in the fourth quarter. Right, right. You know, Dakota completely controlled it.
1: So yeah. Yeah. Hard, hard to come back when you don't have the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Credit credit to Dakota and their, you know, blonde hair there. Um, <laughs> I did see some of that on the sideline. That, and, and again, that was something that happened in my day. So, okay. um, must be some sort of tradition there for, for the Indians. So yeah, um, so as we've mentioned, they they move on. They're going to be at Forreston Saturday at two o'clock. Um, historically, they've met Forreston four times in the past, one and three in those match of those playoff matchups. Um, conversely, Forreston three uh, one, and Forreston has won each of their last four quarterfinal games. So again, not it has nothing to do with with this team, um, just kind of a trend. But where I think. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Fulton or to, to Jeff up there. I think that that game is a little bit easier to predict than this one is. Um, obviously this game was a classic in the, in the first round, but we didn't see this coming because Dakota at the time was one and two, I think in might've been three and zero. Oh. Um and Dakota gets a late score and beats Forreston 34-28. So that's certainly going to be on the minds of Forreston, right? They're going to want to extract some revenge on this in the same way that Lee Wynn did last year in the playoffs, uh, coming back and beating Forreston and losing to them in the regular season. So a lot of intrigue here. I, I, I am, am Two teams that have very similar strategies when it comes to how they, they play the game. They're going to want to control the clock and they're just going to want to chip away, chip away three, four yards at a time. So um, who has the ball last type of deal here could be who can limit their um, mistakes. You know, defenses are going to be grabbing at the ball if they know that they might not be having many chances uh, on offense. So I can't pick this one. I'm not going to really looking forward to it though.
0: Yeah. So Dakota was two, and one going into that matchup oh, okay. with okay. Forreston. But the thing was that their first game of the season was against Chicago Christ the King. Yeah. And their second game of the season was against Lena Winslow.
1: yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that then would.
0: they had a win over Stockton in there in week three. Mm-hmm. But I think all, all that being said is that when you had I- Christ the King, who was two and seven and you had Lena Winslow, who was obviously nine and oh, and a very good football team. You didn't really know what to expect out of Dakota then going into that Forreston game.
1: Well, and probably that was leftovers from Dakota's team last year, right? It was just unexpected in that Forreston is this has been this great this great program the past couple of years. Obviously, Dakota historically is the same, but coming off of last year where Dakota was two and seven. Yep, one is eight, two and seven, two and seven you just didn't expect it to happen this, this soon for, for coach sheets. So um, a great win, um, obviously a, a, a pretty big pillar in their season that propelled them into the playoffs. Now having won the first two games. So anything can happen in this rematch. Um, again, Forreston's going to have a little bit of revenge on their minds, but De- uh, Dakota playing well, maybe forcing gets the edge playing at home though.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously that helps to be at home this, you know, this late in the playoff run. I think the one interesting Factor in this game is Dakota kind of had to abandon their passing game with Niedermeyer, at quarterback because of the conditions, right. In, (laughs) In the weather, like we've talked a lot about against Marquette. So if it's a better day, weather wise can Dakota make more of an effort to, you know, throw the ball around a little bit and really balance themselves out. And is that something that gives them a little bit of an advantage if they can, you know, find some space? I don't know. Forrest is a great defensive football team. They've been playing really well, um, you know, this year and especially in this playoff run. So something to watch for there, though. It's just to see if the weather makes, you know, if better weather makes a different offensive look for Dakota.
1: Yeah, I could see this being like an 18 to 12 type of game, right?
0: Yep, yep. And and so that takes like an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mitch, so that that sets the scene for class 1A. Again, going back, Lena Winslow, the number one seed, taking on conference rival Fulton, the number four seed, the other half, Dakota, the 10 seed, or I'm sorry, Dakota's the 11 seed going on the road to the 10 seed, Forreston. So there's our four NUIC teams all meeting up in the state quarterfinals. And the South has four really good teams too. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's go through that. So ridgeview Lexington, who Lena Winslow fans are familiar with, played them in the semifinals a year ago. They're mm-hmm. still hanging around. They got the win 58 to 20 over Salt Fork. They now go up against Tuscola. Uh, obviously, a great program. Don't need to, you know, hype them up any. They they yeah. people are very familiar with Tuscola. On the other end, a team I've been impressed with this year continues to look good. Camp Point Central gets the yep. win over Cesar. Cesar Valier, the shutout, 24-0. So they move on to 11-0. They take on Greenfield Northwestern, who now sits at 10-1 on the season. They got the win over Toledo-Cumberland. So yeah, like you said, I that Camp Point Central team stands out to me. Ridgeview-Lexington has stood out to me all year as the two undefeated teams down there. But their opponents they're playing this week are both very good football teams.
1: Yeah, um, impressive win for Tuscola beating Route. Um, yeah, th- th- this is, these are really, again, four really good quarterfinal games. It'll be two really good semifinal games. And then I fully anticipate having a really, really good, uh, one, a game. Again, Lee Win has been, um, the standard possibly still are right. Not impossible to overtake them. Um, don't want to, you know, take down Fulton's hopes all that much by predicting that that game, but it's just a t- it's just a tough task, right? It, it's a it's a you ha- you're gonna have to prove it to me <laughs> for me to believe it, sort of thing. So, um, but whoever comes out of this NUIC North bracket, we'll just call it, um, that there will still be a good team that comes out of the South awaiting in Champaign
0: And either way, Kyle Campmeyer from NUICFootball.com has already made his reservations with no hesitation Again, because job,
1: you know. job security.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, before we get into 8-Man, Mitch, I got to be a homer for one second and give a shout out to Marquette. They had a great season, Mm -hmm. a very talented group of seniors this year. Another great season from Coach Yups. He got his 100th win at Marquette. Just Mm -hmm. where this program has come from, from, you know, go back to 2010, 2011, when there had been years before that where they had hardly won more than two or three games so mm-hmm. for coach Yupps to come in when he did and really revive this program and now year in and year out this marquette team is somewhere in the mix right in this class 1A playoffs sorry yeah. i know it's it's a homer moment to anyone no, listening, you're, you're... to anyone listening from you know marquette from ottawa you know take pride in, in the crusaders are here every year now and it, it it's awesome i love it
1: well, and they're on, you know, the horizon of a whole new conference, a whole new, you know, um, a standard here moving forward. So they're last year in independent as they move to the something Prairie,
0: football Prairie, like something. Chicago Prairie comp or Chicago Prairie football league. It's, it's, a, it's yeah, I think, it's, I think it's,
1: yeah, I think it's football league or something. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, a whole, a whole new season uh, about to embark for, for the Crusaders, but yeah, like you said, a great season for them, um, getting that win over Morrison in, in the first round. Um, and you know a
0: fight song, and you learn their fight song, Mitch. That's great,
1: yeah. You can listen back if you want to ever (laughs) hear that again. Um, and their only loss prior to that being to hope, so yep, yeah. Great, great year for them, and uh, look forward to seeing them what they do in their
0: new conference, yep. All right, well, Mitch, we're getting into eight man, and now we're into the eight man semifinals. They're they're around, around ahead. Things are getting real serious here in the eight man ranks. One of the best games this week in the eight man division. Amboy gets the 30 28 win over Milford Cisna Park. Clippers erased a 10 point fourth quarter deficit to defeat MCP. MCP took a 28 18 lead on the first play of the fourth quarter. Amboy answered immediately. Landon Welchel ran for a 51 yard touchdown on the first play after the kickoff to cut the deficit to 28 24. Next possession on third down, MCP quarterback Sawyer LaFoon tried to throw for the first down, but the pass is intercepted by Eddie Jones. He returns it back inside the 20. Clippers then had a fourth and 12. Tucker Lindenmeyer hits Brennan Blaine. That's a connection we talked about early in the season. Great to see Lindenmeyer back and making those plays. He hits Blaine on a short pass. Blaine took it to the house. That makes it 30-28. That would be the final score. Man, that's a great win for Amboy, having to come back in the end there. Yeah, you know, we talked about
1: uh, Meyer's impact um, and how how Amboy kind of weathered that storm. That's a Clipper reference. Um, (laughs) I like it. And now, you know, they were were top ranked when he was around, and now that he's back, they're they're back in the semifinals where they – went to last season, right? Um, yeah. I believe yeah, so, yep. They, they went on kind of a run and got to the, the semifinals. I don't remember who they lost to. It might have been Polo. But, um, yeah, a, a really good win against an MCP team here for Amboy. And, again, coming down to the wire there a little bit, showing their toughness, um, showing their grit. So um, they will play yeah, – they, they got a nice hand here in, in playing um, STM. Whereas I wouldn't want to see West Central in the semifinals. Sorry to polo. But um yeah, great, great win for Amboy. Another great season that they've had here in Eight Man. And uh one more win and they'll be uh they'll be sitting there in Monmouth, ready to go.
0: Yeah, so Amboy will now take on, like you said, St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More had the upset, what I would consider an upset win oh, yeah. for Decatur. Absolutely.
1: Luther. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So 44-38. Sabres were down in this one. St. Thomas, more Sabres were down 22 to six early on in this one. And man, when you're talking about in that kind of deficit with a Decatur Lutheran team that has a weapon like Leighton Miller, that is, a, that is an impressive comeback as a team in St. Thomas more that maybe their record didn't quite indicate the tough team they are. And they, they right. proved it in this one. This is a big win for them. So they will now take on Amboy. The other game on the other side will be West Central versus Polo. We'll start with West Central. They get the win over Milledgeville, 38-14 to in Bigsville on Saturday. Mitch, the name, no shock. Caden Droste, 266 yards, 29 carries, four touchdowns. But you also had Mason Carnes going for 71 and 13, um, 13 rushes and a touchdown. Parker Meldrum, 76. 76 yards and third on 13 rushes great blocking all day the heat get 388 total yards of offense so I mean it's a team we've been impressed with Mitch and they had to get it done against a good Milledgeville team they get their second win over Milledgeville this season
1: yeah it seems weird to say that 38 is holding the heat in check a little bit but it yeah. kind the way that their season has been uh, again, looked, looked a little rough conditions there um, at the game, but um, it's the same result that we've expected from West Central all year. Drostia, obviously, again and again, 266 seems low, right? Um, just yeah. kind of the type yeah. of year and type of numbers that that they put up, but uh, all the credit to that great line they have. And, and a really stout defense. I don't recall off the top of my head what their closest game has, has been because um, they're undefeated, right?
0: Yeah, West Central's undefeated their closest game. I mean, they didn't even really play anyone close. Um, maybe 58-20 over Aquin.
1: So a 38-point game. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Yeah, so credit to Milledgeville. You know, they had a great year. Obviously, they had some injuries, um, some off-the-field stuff that they were they were weighing into. So um, shout-out to to Coach Robo there on a great season in, in Milledgeville. And um, the Heat, though, they, they move on to face the uh, the two-time champs.
0: Yeah, I guess I should give credit to um, Ridgewood and Milledgeville also played them, quote-unquote, close. Ridgewood yeah. scored 34 points in a loss. It was 66-34. Milledgeville, yeah. in their regular season game, scored 36 points against them, but lost 30, 64-36. So, anyway, right? some good playoff teams that put up some points, but this, you know, This West Central team has been just unstoppable on offense, right? Villageville did slow them down a little bit. Maybe the weather slowed them down a little bit as well, but either way they move along. Polo gets the win now. So Ridge West Central will meet up against Polo. They knock off Ridgewood 38-22. Mitch, this one was kind of a battle between Brock Solto and Gavin McDonough for Mm -hmm. Ridgewood. McDonough had three touchdowns for the Spartans. Soltau had 301 yards, five touchdowns on 31 carries. So really carrying the load for this team while Grenoble's out. The Polo defense got a key stop midway through the second half. That paves their way to victory. The Marcos took a 16 to eight lead into halftime after a 39-yard touchdown run by Soltau. But Ridgewood tied it up early in the third period. But overall, just a great effort from this polo team, Mitch, the quote that kind of stood out to me, Ty Reynolds from Stock Valley and uh, contributes to Friday night drive. He interviewed uh, head coach, Ted Alston, after the game for polo. And coach Alston said the quote, he didn't think this, that he thinks this team has grown so much that going mm-hmm. back to weeks one, two, and three, we wouldn't have won a game like this, but we've gotten tougher. We've made better tackles offensive line has really started to play well so i think that's an interesting quote to me because we did kind of talk about those first few weeks of the season or that first halfway point of the season that halfway point of the season we were kind of looking at other teams and polo was just kind of there right they weren't they weren't doing anything bad but they hadn't had a key win yet
1: Right. Yeah, they've just increasingly got better and better every single
0: week. Um, do we know is Avery Grenoble still out? Was he out in this one against Ridgewood? He was. He was out okay. again in this one. I don't know his status moving forward, but okay. credit to Brock Soltow for really, yeah. you know, playing well and becoming the, you know, the workhorse for him.
1: Yeah, and, and congrats too to Ridgewood. This was their first year in eight man. Um we we knew that they were good. Um they had a great season, got to the quarters. And uh, look forward to covering them next year. So now you, we get this West Central against Polo uh, match here. Greg, what would Rick Flair say about this game?
0: Hey, you know, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's right. So what? Yeah, yeah. If, if, West, I,
1: yeah, if West Central wants to to stake their claim, um, you know, what better way to do it than here in the semifinals against the two time champs and a, a team that is playing again the best that they have been all year just increasingly better every single week. Um, and this'll be, this'll be a fun game to see.
0: Yeah. I really love that this matchup is maybe the favorite in a man football in West central, you know, the team this year that has really kind of carried the way as the, the team, the potential number one or the the next state champion. Yeah. But now you got to go up against the two time defending state champion. That That is a perfect yeah, matchup.
1: This, this is, not, not to take away anything from Amboy or um, STM, but this would have been a really fun like state championship game. So at least we do get to see them go up against one another um, in, in the playoffs because uh, I think it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, it, again, like a lot of these eight-man games, it becomes Brock Soltow and can West Central slow him down and will Polo have an answer for the weapons like Drosty and like Karnes on that other side of things. Mm -hmm. This West central team has impressed me all year because they just, their, their talent runs so deep, right? They just, Mm -hmm. Leighton Miller was so impressive for Decatur Lutheran, but you didn't know what else he really had around him. But this West central team just has so many weapons.
1: Right. Yep. So this, uh, again, they're down to it here in the final four and the winners of the two semifinals will play next. Well, depending on when you're listening to this Friday, the what, 18th. I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe so. So probably at night, seven o'clock at Monmouth college. So that'll be where we're down to it. We'll we'll know who's playing with it um, on Saturday yep. night going into next week. So really looking forward to, you know, both games are our toss up. So really looking forward to seeing who comes out and who we'll be talking about uh, next Friday night.
0: Yeah. This may be the year that I have to make it to the eight man. State championship yeah. game. I, I I haven't made it yet, and I I think uh, maybe this is the year that that I do it. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be
1: cold. It looked cold last year. So
0: well, you get to that time of year when it's at seven o'clock at night. It's gonna be cold almost almost yep. regardless. So yep. I suppose if it's not windy and raining, I'll take just cold. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I I will say that of all the weeks to not be able to shoot high school football being indoors watching uh Marquette and Dakota and Princeton and some of the other games, like it was okay. If I had to take a week off,
1: you know, yeah. but you know what, that's what makes it special because yeah, obviously when, when Iowa gets to the semifinal round, they're playing indoors. Yes. And you know, we've both covered state championship games there. I think I've covered two. It's just kind of different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the Unidome the Uni- yeah. is sweet. Like the Unidome is, is awesome. And it's cool to have, Obviously it's loud. Um, yep.
0: it's warm, but <laughs> yeah, well, it yeah. just kind of takes away from
1: from the experience for me
0: anyway. Well, I guess what I was referencing was for me not having to be on the sidelines with a camera and trying to keep a camera dry, Right. It, you know, it always becomes a little tricky. Now that being said, I love I love the sight lines of muddy jerseys when it's you know on a yeah. grass field. That that becomes awesome, but uh Ooh, I have nightmares about trying to keep cameras from getting, you know, too, right. you know, too wet and too, uh, too weather beaten. So anyway. Yeah. Well,
1: and then back, back in, in, in our day, sounding like old guys, <laughs> you know, you had, you had your notebook, right? And oh, so absolutely. You're writing yeah. down, down timestamps
0: and numbers and what happened. So yeah, that just added to the, <laughs>
1: the, 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 difficulty of trying to keep all that dry.
0: Well, but, in, but now you're trying to keep your phone dry because you're trying to keep notes on your phone. Yeah. So it, it, it's right. just it's a different challenge, but, uh, anyway, let's hope for better weather this Friday and Saturday. And, uh, I think think it looks like it looking ahead. So, yeah, I don't know if we have any Friday games. I said Friday, but I think uh, for the most part, our games are Saturday. I think everything,
1: everything Saturday, that Friday game would be the state championship for eight, man. But other than that, we should be done on Fridays.
0: All right. Well, Mitch, we'll, uh, we'll be following along and, uh, I'm sure you'll be all over Twitter. So everyone listening, follow along on our Twitter account, view from West pod and, uh, Mitch will be keeping us all updated. I may, I, I hope I'm walking the sidelines again this week. So uh, that Fulton Lena Winslow game may be where I, where I head. So yeah, that'll, that'll be a busy, that'll be a busy afternoon
1: with, with all the games kind of starting at the same time. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So we'll have to uh, again, keep our, our options, our viewing options open. Um, luckily we have a few now, which is nice. Um and, and yeah, I can't wait to see you can't for next week's episode. I can't wait to see who we're talking about.
0: Yeah. So Mitch, it's like we say every week, who's going to be practicing Monday? Who are we going to be right. podcasting about next Monday? So right. that is the question. All right. Well, thank you, Mitch. Thank you to everyone who listens. We will uh, talk to you next week. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.